Good evening, Mr Peacock in Wellington. No, how are you, Ms Hay? I'm well, thank you very much. And you're going to talk about politicians who are having a crack at the media. Yeah, interesting. Just this evening, um, Sarah Dowie, MP uh, for Invercargill, she um, is stepping down, one of one of quite a long line of MPs who are going out the door, uh, and she uh, made her valedictory address, um, and she actually foreshadowed some of this in a Sunday Star Times article, an interview with um, Andrea Vance, and quite a bit of this came out in her speech, but it really got the political reporters' attention. They started tweeting uh, that she was unloading on the media um, as as it was happening. So I thought I'd better take a look and dialed up Parliament TV for the first time in a wee while and, and watched it. And, um, yes, she did have a few things to say about the media. She talked about the way her uh, relationship with Jamie Lee Ross, uh, you remember the rogue MP, uh, became uh, public knowledge in the middle of that whole episode where Jamie Lee Ross had been leaking against Simon Bridges and trying to bring him down. So she was caught up in the middle of that and had what she described as an anus horribilis, um, things we heard from QE2 earlier, she'd remember that phrase. And uh, she said in January 2019, her personal life, uh, she didn't think was all that extraordinary. Yes, her marriage was on the rocks and she had this relationship, but all of a sudden um, it was all over the news. And uh, here's about a minute's worth of what she had to say in that valedictory uh, speech tonight. Compared with recent events, where media analysis lasted only a couple of news cycles, the speculation and rubbish continued for me for weeks on end. One woman said to me recently, Sarah, you were absolutely trashed in the media in 2019, and yet these other MPs experience a couple of media cycles of scrutiny and hide behind mental health issues for their bad behaviour. The antithesis is the hypocrisy of the media calling for a clean-up of politicians. Yes, we are representatives and should take responsibility for poor behaviour, but we are not elected as angels. We too are human and make mistakes just as journalists do and have. But when a predator is able to manipulate the media for his agenda and the media is directly party to it, it is the media fraternity that needs to audit themselves as to their ethics and their conscious peddling of sexism and patriarchy. Who's she referring to there? Well, uh, that's an interesting thing. She wasn't all that specific. Uh, in other parts of the speech, she did specifically refer to a politic website item. That's the website run by um, Richard Harmon. And uh, I went looking for the article to see if I could find what she was talking about, but I couldn't. But she'd said that uh, this article on that site had said that she was only in her job and, and said to be advancing because of the alliances she'd been able to form, you know, her networking, not her skills. But her skills have been un- unvalued, uh, undervalued as a lawyer and as a politician who'd served two terms. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. I mean, what was said on that article might have been, um, you know, a legitimate analysis of her career. Hard to say, but there's a lot in that. And to me, she is, well, she's saying a lot of things about the toxic environment of Parliament, one that's not particularly uh, supportive of uh, women, particularly younger women with families coming to that's something that's been talked about for a long time. She said in her Sunday Star Times article that basically her behaviour had been lumped in, you know, a kind of roll call of shame of the National Party down the years, along with the more recent ones like Andrew Floon and Hamish Walker. And she said, why the hell am I being bracketed with these people? So look, a whole range of grievances. The media don't like being told off like that. So I wonder quite how they'll respond uh, to it or, or whether they will uh, a- at all. Um, but I'm not so sure that she can make a really strong case for being unfairly treated. She even talked about 
possibly decide, you know, whether she would sue the media for some of the things said about her uh, during this whole um, blow up when her relationship with Jamie B. Ross came out. But she was, you know, for a while, the, the text message she sent that you recall that came out, a very nasty one from her to Jamie B. Ross. I mean, things go wrong in relationships. I don't think that should ever come out into the public domain personally. But there was a police um, investigation into that. Now, she was at the centre of something that involved that whole party, its leadership, a big story. It is unfortunate, but I don't know if she can make a case that she had been unfairly treated uh, both you know, personally or just as, as a female MP. She might like to have a look at the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, The Sun libel case before she does that. Well, that's another very, very different case again. But someone who did, I mean, at the end of it, it was interesting. She, uh, people greeted her very warmly around the house. She got a, 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 a storm of applause, I would say. And then at the end said, look, if, if it falls to me to be the scarlet woman of New Zealand that confronts this, then so be it. Which I thought was a rather strange and dramatic thing to say in a way. But she was greeted very warmly by members from around the house when she'd finished her speech. She she almost, um, you know, her voice was cracking up. It was very emotional. Um, on my way here, I can exclusively reveal I cycle through Parliament to get here to talk to you uh, on these Wednesday evenings, Karen. And, and she was out there with a crowd of four people. There was um, cigarette smoke hovering above them. She had a glass of something that looked like rosé, but seemed to be in pretty good spirits. So I guess she's glad she's um, got all that out in the open. And uh, we'll see if it leads to anything. But, um, you know, another politician who will be doing hers uh, on the 4th of August next week. That's Claire Curran. Um, she has also spoken out uh, recently uh, in an interview with Donna Chisholm, um, the, the long-serving journalist, uh, a really personal piece about the, the suffering she went through when she was targeted by National, including, um, ironically, Jamie Lee Ross, who lifted the lid on how uh, the National Party targeted her because they thought she was a weakness and targeted her with parliamentary questions, and uh, Claire Curran said she needed months of therapy to get over it. She said she's going to try and be a little bit more positive in her um, her valedictory speech, so we'll, we'll see. But she did a kind of exit interview uh, with uh, Phil Smith of RNZ for the Parliament programme The House, um, and in this she had her own things to say about um, what she thought was an adversarial political system uh, which the news media make worse. That is no fault of any particular individual, um, but it's a it's a systemic issue that I think is getting worse rather than better. And I just wish that there was some introspection within our um, our media environment about its own role and um, what it contributes uh, or detracts from in terms of political discourse. That potentially could be harder to change than Parliament. That's right. And um, the reason it's like a taboo subject and it is not to be spoken about and when it is spoken about, then there are consequences. And I certainly feel that I've been subject to some of those consequences. Interesting. Introspection about its own role in political discourse. Mm. Yeah, what does I think, that mean? I don't know. It's a bit of a roundabout way, but I think what she's saying is the media doesn't examine itself. I wish there was more introspection within the media. So I think she wants them, I, I guess, to look at the way they report, the kind of heat that goes into these things, particularly at peak times, like coming up to an election or a, you know, a change of government or something like that, and, and whether uh, it takes too much of a toll 
on um, a, a politician that happens to be in the firing line for something. I mean, I don't think there'll be a whole lot of sympathy for her from uh, political reporters who feel she was perhaps not up to the job of, of being a minister and the fact that it didn't work out and she was effectively the first one in that government to have to step down for her missteps. But, you know, she pointed out in that interview with Donna Chisholm that as well as being targeted, which created a lot of, of pressure uh, by the opposition, um, that she the thing she did, you know, the not diarying the meetings, uh, famously, that was that was her big slip-up and then... Um, and then not being fully upfront about it at the right time. Uh, she made the point that if you look at Shane Jones and some of the news articles about him and uh, certain looseness about meetings and commitments he's supposed to have given um, uh, to with regards to the Provincial Growth Fund and other portfolios, you know that it seems to be a double standard. And so, it, but as a broadcasting minister. Um, I think it is interesting because she carried the can for a policy that Labour really wasn't able to progress. You know, these grand plans of you know, more than $30 million to be put into public broadcasting, most of it via RNZ, and it just never happened. And, uh, you know, she carried the can for that. But previous Labour ministers of broadcasting, like Steve Mahari, who was quite senior in the Cabinet, he couldn't get things past uh, the finance minister, um, and the, and the Prime Minister with his plans. So I think it's a tough one. She wouldn't be the first broadcasting minister who's failed to get things across the line in that portfolio and been really heavily blamed for it. And back in the early 2000s, Marion Hobbs was also um, lampooned for this. She was called Boo Boo the Fifth Teletubby by the opposition uh, over her missteps in broadcasting. And... Um, and the, the media picked up on that for sure, and she was bitter about that for some time. So it feels like um, history repeating itself. So it will be interesting to see uh, what Claire has to say on the 4th of August and whether you know the media are inclined to look at these speeches, which got quite a reception, or, or the one from Sarah Dowie today, um, and see if there is anything uh, that they think that they ought to acknowledge. And what about Paula Bennett? Did she have anything to say against the Fourth Estate? Didn't watch hers. Um, unfortunately, I, I wonder whether she did, but I, I think she probably would have had more to say about all the other portfolios she'd been in because she perhaps had a better relationship with the media and kind of prospered from, uh, you know, having a personality. We've talked about this before, haven't we, that, uh, you know, she was able to get that Westie thing out there. The media liked it and she courted media attention. So I don't think she would have much of a, a leg to stand on if she did uh, want to have a go at the fourth estate because for for her, I guess, they were possibly more... Um, you know, more part of her plan uh, and less of an obstacle than, um, you know, the two women we've talked about uh, this evening. Linda's text to say, we all know there's bad behaviour in every industry and profession except the media. (laughs) Yeah, well, a bit of that too. But, uh, I mean, like I say, one interesting thing was that she, one of her grievances was that someone had said that she had run as a family values candidate uh, when she entered Parliament, and that, and that this would be hypocritical that her relationship had broken up and, uh, and this affair took place. <clears throat> and she said in her speech, I absolutely did not, and really, really upset by that. But when I took a look at um, an article about her in her maiden speech uh, that she gave when she came into the House, it does say... Um, uh, it makes a point of, of saying that the clear message was that we're hard work and determination pays off. You play the hand you're dealt. You reap what you sow. Um, you make your own luck. I, I've grasped all these opportunities and talked about the sacrifice of her husband and juggling the family and so on. So, <clears throat> you know, she seemed to be painting a picture there of someone who was just going to do what it took. And, you know, when you read the interview in the Sunday Star Times and her speech now where she speaks about, 
you know, finding it very hard to deal with and, and you know, the vulnerability and so on, it, it's not quite the same image. So I, I don't know, it was a bit of a scattergun speech, but um, like Claire Curran certainly responded to it, although she's on the other side of the house saying, tonight I cried and ached for Sarah. Please watch and listen to her speech. Uh, we can try and change our political system and the way it is portrayed. So, you know, there you have cross-party alliance, um, you know, two, two MPs who um, seem to think that our politics and the way it's portrayed in the media is not healthy. And uh, I wonder I wonder if the media will take much notice. Well, they're probably well out of it then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in terms of their own lifestyle. Yeah, indeed, po- possibly so. They might come on to this uh, Kiwi chat show you seem to like. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um <clears throat> We don't have a great record, do we, in New Zealand chat shows. Anika Moa has given it a go and put out a couple of critically acclaimed ones. Uh, but there was a Mark Sainsbury one back in the mid-2000s that didn't go too well, um, a Timuera Morrison one that didn't take off either, and I think maybe it's harder to do than it looks. But there's a new one on Māori television. Uh, Pio Tere is the host, and they've called it Tere Tonight. Um, and it's interesting because um, it's quite... It's quite loose, and he said he wanted to actually raise big issues, not just have chit-chat with celebrity guests. And I thought, that sounds like an awkward hybrid. Um, and actually, one interesting, I've got a little clip here that I'd like to play you. It's um, it's where he, uh, where he talked about um, another chat show he'd been on that I'd forgot even existed uh, that also didn't last too long, That's Life with Charlotte Dawson, and it came up in a bit of an awkward way. I've done that show, I think. Oh God! Here we go. <laughs> Wasn't it with 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 the beautiful lady from Australia who who tragically oh, took yes. her own life? Yes, you did we... do that show. Yeah, it was a terrible show. <laughs> but she was fantastic. You know that your EP worked on that show. Your EP, your producer for this show. Anyway, Tosh, let's go to you. Stay here. This might be the last episode of Today Tonight. (laughs) Well, I'll do Today in the Morning then. Um, He talked Very himself good. out of an awkward spot, wasn't it? <laughs> the own producer of your own show was on the one he just described as terrible. But it's a bit loose. It's quite funny. But um, look, they do talk about uh, issues on the program. And one real difference is they've got this, um, or she was new to me anyway, uh, Nix Adams. Nicola Adams is her name. And she does a slot on the program called uh, Nix Minute and then joins the guests to talk about it. She appeared on Nine to Noon. Fascinating interview. She lost a child, turned to drugs in Australia, went to prison. Has only been out of prison a couple of years, but became a bit of a Facebook star when she started doing sort of therapeutic videos on uh, Facebook and trying to connect with people. Uh, she's got two hundred thousand followers um, of her Facebook page, and um, and yeah, so the uh, PO has taken her into this show, made her effectively a co-star of it, which gives it a completely different flavour. So as well as chatting to uh, local celebrities, entertainers, and so on, and doing a bit of singing and stuff like that. They talk about big issues and family stuff and, uh, yeah, completely different kind of show, worth a go. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? I think um, from my own knowledge about um, chat shows, it's really getting the guests on the show. The talent pool that you have is not the same as you have internationally. You know, they've either got to be touring New Zealand or here for a reason, uh, as opposed to, you know, if you're in London or in the US, there's you can call on anyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But for example, they had on, uh, I didn't see last night, oh, last night's one they had Solomio as guests and that, that they've been on other chat shows and that wasn't so interesting. But that clip we had a moment ago, this, the same show, uh, they also had a, a player from the Chiefs, a young 24-year-old guy, um, Sean Wainui, and he was a bit reluctant 
clearly. But but uh, Peel was asking him questions. What's it like? How do you handle the social media? Knowing that the Chiefs have been a team that have been caught out, got in a bit of trouble um, for some of their things in the past, the so-called Strippergate uh, scandal. And, and he opened up and talked about this sort of side of things as well. So, yeah, when, when Peel called it edutainment, you think, oh, this isn't going to work really a combo of you know, celebrity chit-chat and big issues. But the way they do it, I think it actually does. Great. So that's on Māori TV and it's on Tuesday nights. Yeah, Tuesday nights, half seven. Yep, every week. And uh, links to that and also to the um, Sarah Dowie valedictory speech, if you want, on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website, uh, the top entry there for Midweek Media Watch. Very good, Colin. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Sure thing. That's Colin Peacock with Midweek Media Watch.